Ever wonder why we relate and connect to stories around us? Welcome to the DNA Podcast, a show where we discuss books, movies, and entertainment that help us understand who we really are. I'm Dakota. And I'm Annabella. Let's dive into our DNA. All right, we're here, episode three. I don't know how time is flying so fast that we have three episodes. I know, but I... Who do we think we are? But I do <gasps> I do feel like we're aging like fine wine. Every time, you know, I listen and I edit through every episode, I'm like, damn, we're good. Look at us go. We're, we're aging like fine wine. We really are. We're killing it. But I'm excited for today because I've been talking about this as a potential podcast episode, I think literally since day one because... Oh, you have. Absolutely. I mean, how can you not? It's phenomenal. It really was. It, like... I'm not one for judging a book by its cover, but your reactions prior to, I was just like, Jesus, all right, like whatever. And then immediately I opened page one and I was like, oh shit. Well, mm, okay. <laughs> I know. Well, let's not keep the audience waiting. But what are we talking about today? So today we're talking about The Midnight Library by Matthew Haig. This is our second Matthew Haig book because mm-hmm. clearly we're obsessed. Yep. Um, so I'm going to read you guys a little summary from Goodreads. Between life and death, there's a library, and within that library, the shelves go on forever. Every book provides a chance to try another life you could have lived, to see how things would be if you had made other choices. Would you have done anything different if you had the chance to undo your regrets? A dazzling novel about all the choices that go into a life well-lived from an internationally best-selling author of Reasons to Stay Alive and How to Stop Time. Somewhere out beyond the edge of the universe, there's a library that contains an infinite number of books, each one the story of another reality. One tells the story of your life as it is, along with another book for the other life you could have lived if you made a different choice at any point in your life. While we all wonder how our lives might have been, what if you had the chance to go to the library and see for yourself? Would any of these other lives truly be better? In The Midnight Library, Matt Haig's enchanting new novel, Nora Seed finds herself faced with this decision. Faced with the possibility of changing her life for a new one, following a different career, undoing old breakups, realizing her dream of becoming a glaciologist, she must search within herself as she travels through The Midnight Library to decide what is truly fulfilling in life and what makes it worth living in the first place. I mean, what a summary to begin with. Holy heck. Yeah. Uh, before we dive in, though, we do just want to say to anybody who's listening, uh, just to give a trigger warning, this does involve some talk about suicide. That is one of the things that the main character kind of starts the whole journey of going into the afterlife. So just want to put that out. If that's something that is a trigger for you or is uncomfortable, we totally understand for you to just skip this episode. But if not, we're glad you're here and hope you continue listening. Yes. So, I mean, right off the bat, The story starts. We have our main character of this entire novel. Her name is Nora Seed, as mentioned in the summary. And this entire book basically goes through what's going on in her life and then obviously the roller coaster of her entering the Midnight Library. So Nora Seed starts off and everything just seems to be going wrong. It's a bad day for Nora Seed. Seriously. And you know, it's really unfortunate, but sometimes it's all it takes with somebody who has been struggling so long with mental health. Oh, sure. honestly just takes one bad day and then that's it. Like, I've made my choice. I'm out of here. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And so the beginning of this book opens up with, we're starting with Nora's bad day. It gives a little bit of background as to, like, all the other things that have gone wrong for her. But ultimately, she's losing her job. She's not married. She's alone. Her cat passes away. And she's just at home and she's just like, all right, this is it. I can't even manage to take care of my cat. Like, why should I continue to take care of myself? Mm -hmm. And um, ultimately, she's home and she decides to drink a bottle of wine and unfortunately swallow the bottle of pills that she has next to her. And she enters into a deep sleep and appears at the midnight library when she wakes up. Just off the bat, that's kind of like the inciting incident of what kicks off this whole adventure. But this book was actually recommended to me by a friend. And just the concept alone of what happens when you die. Is there an afterlife? Do you get to review the choices that you've made? Is always something 
that I've always been interested in. And I think probably you and I have talked about this like tons of times. And absolutely. Just hearing the concept of this book alone, I was like, I have to read this. And the idea of also going into a library that is filled with books, because first of all, she gets to this this library. She doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know nope, if she's yep. dead. She doesn't yep. know if she's just in a coma somewhere. And she's in a library. And it's huge. It's like an endless library filled with books and books and books and books. So she meets the librarian, Mrs. Elm. And she is kind of the guiding force that tells her this is the midnight library. It stays midnight here. And every single one of these books here is a different choice that you have made. It's kind of, it's not like a past life, but it's, it's, they all exist all at once. It's kind of like a parallel universe, except there's like endless, endless possibilities. Mm -hmm. And each one of these books is a possible choice that you have made and you can read it and experience it and see if this is the life that you want to live and can live and feel as your best self living. And it also kind of gives you some answers to questions of, oh, well, if I only would have done X, Y, and Z, maybe my life would have panned out differently. And we later find out that sometimes you have a vision of how your life could have been. And it's not always the reality of it, which I thought was really, really interesting. I could not agree more. And what I thought is really unique is that later in the book, we find out that Maybe it's not a library for everyone. It's whatever yes. resonates with you. And it's who it's it. You're a little uh, what are they called? Kind of like a tour guide is what Mrs. Elm is. She's like, yeah, yeah, let's start with this book. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why it is Mrs. Elm for Nora Seed is because in Nora's early life, her father, unfortunately, passed away and she was sitting in a library playing chess with the librarian at her middle school, Mrs. Elm. So this was a real character in Nora Seed's life. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to say all of the right things to Nora and 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 console her in the fake, you know, sending you my wishes and condolences type of way, sure. uh, Mrs. Elm just kind of sat there and gave attention to Nora and was there for her in the way that Nora needed at that time in her life. Mm-hmm. And so now in her past life, Mrs. Elm is there for Nora in the way that she needs yet again. And she's in the place where she felt most comfortable and safe in her childhood, which was that library. Mm-hmm. So for you, it might be a film studio with never ending shelves of film reels. For me, it might be fucking like doggy heaven. Who knows? I don't that's know. what I was going <laughs> to ask. I was, that's like one of my favorite things when I read that part when it was like, oh, it's not always a library for everybody. It's like envisioning what that could be. I mean, yeah, for me, I think it would be like a theater, like some kind of movie theater with like endless amount of like films and yes. I could just plug it in, and just go. But totally. I was curious what you thought yours would be. Oh my gosh. I, I, I don't know. I, ah, I don't know. I feel like. I still think the library could work for you. I think the library could work for me. However, up until this point in my life, I didn't read jack shit, only poetry. I was going to say, I mostly because of the poetry is why I said that. Yeah. 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 I think it could be that. I think it could be, maybe it is just like a dog, like a, I'm at a doggy store and like every shelf is like, I'm picking out like, I don't fucking know, a new picture for me to hang of wolf. I don't know. Aww, no, that's, that's really cute. shitty. I don't know. Hold on. <laughs> I have to think about this. I was just curious. You can think about it, but it's that when you brought that up, I I was wondering what you felt like your your dream quote unquote midnight library would be. But you know, maybe you'll someday in the long, long, long future, long <laughs> <see my> face? <laughs> future, you'll find out. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess because I don't know what my my library would be. Oh my god. Okay. Well, listen. You think about it while we chit chat. And if it comes to you, just interrupt and just say it and we'll know. We'll okay. Know. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll um, hit me when I know it, it hits me. Yes. Right. So one of the key things, and it, forgive me, it has been a little bit since I've fully read this, but the reason why it's called the Midnight Library is because it's stuck at midnight. And for the most part, it stays at midnight until uh, Nora has to make a decision of what she wants to do. And once it's not midnight anymore, then there's some problems that come at hand. So for the majority, there really isn't a time limit of, well, you only have 10 seconds to figure out out of all these endless opportunities and choices you could have made, 
which one you want to actually permanently be in. Because at this point in in real life, she's suspended between life and death. She's kind of in like right. purgatory of having to choose in this gigantic library. What I think is really cool is that something that Mrs. Elm says a bunch of times, and it plays off of, it's always midnight because... The library exists internally based off of Nora's desires. So Mm. right now, Nora does not have any desire to live. This is why she ultimately tried to take her own life. And so instead of sending you to this heaven or hell, some people are given this opportunity. And it's not all people. It's people that have lists of regrets, lists of what ifs, lists, lists of things that they felt already in their quote unquote root life, because this is Nora's root life, the one that she tried to take her own her, yeah. her own life. It's only these individuals that are granted this opportunity of going to the midnight library or movie theater or restaurant or wherever their their spot is to have these do-overs and to ultimately try out other lives in order to see if this root life was really so bad after all. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some rules to the Midnight Library because, A, there's no leaving it, and B, if Nora really truly in her heart feels that death is what she she ultimately wants, if she doesn't want to experience anything anymore, then the Midnight Library ceases to exist. It will literally crumble, and Nora will pass on to the afterlife. However, if she enters a life that she in her bones feels this was it, this was what I was meant to do, I was meant to be this person, if I had only done X, Y, Z different in my root life, I would be here today. And if she in all of her might feels this is it, this is for me, then she could pursue the rest of her time in her destiny in that next life. She kind of just picks up at whatever point and continues on. And so it starts off that Mrs. Elm picks out her first book for her. Nora's like, nah, I don't really know if I want to participate in this. Um, Okay. And so Mrs. Elm's like, well, like, let's let's have a look first at your book of regrets. And they walk over to this big old fucking book. Oh, she's a thick book. (laughs) Oh, she's thick, mommy. (laughs) No, she's thick for sure. And... Literally, it's Nora's regret of everything in life. She's like, I regret not swimming, all, all taking my swimming career. I, re- I regret not spending enough time with my dad. I regret f- my failed marriage. I regret my this. I, it's regret, 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 regret. I, if I had only done this. And it's just overwhelming. She's sitting there like faced. Imagine being faced with a book yeah. right in front of you with everything since birth. Mm-hmm. Everything you've ever felt like you did wrong. Everything you felt like you could have done differently just right there looking at you. I... Personally, I'd drop the book. I'd be like, I'm done. I'm here. I'm by. <laughs> that is like such, that is such a heavy concept to think about because there were even very minor regrets that she had in there. Yep. To me, regret is a word that holds a lot of weight. And yeah. there's things that I wish I hadn't done. And I think we've talked about this in previous podcast mm-hmm. episodes, but had I not done them... I wouldn't be where I am today. I take it as a learning lesson. I wouldn't say that I regret them, though. Right. And to think about all those minor things, like, oh, I regret not, I don't know, taking my dog for a walk or something. Imagine just seeing a gigantic book, like a physical representation of no, all the you. things that you have, <laughs> no, thank you, of all the things you've regretted. That is just, that's immense. That's immense. And it's overwhelming. And she is. I mean, Nora is extremely overwhelmed by seeing this and trying to right. take it all in. And that's the thing. I think that Mrs. Elm tried to show her that to be like, okay, well, like, let's focus on one regret, maybe, and then, like, make that change. And that's the first book that we we navigate to. Instead, it sends Nora into, like, uh, almost like a panic attack because she's just like, oh, my God, I didn't know I regretted that much in my whole life. Right. Jesus Christ. Like, it almost makes you feel twice as bad about the life that you're living because it's like, well, what did I do right? If yeah. all of if I just have this stack of regret and upsetness about my life, like oh my god, mm-hmm. so this poor girl has like an, an additional existential crisis <laughs> on top of where she's already at. That you know, it, it was just super heavy. So ultimately, Mrs. Elm tries to like calm her down. She's like, okay, 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 let's let's just like pick <laughs> just a book. Just breathe. <laughs> yeah, and so they pick the first book. 
one of the things that everybody in her life had uh, talked about was her failed marriage. And she felt like that was the easiest thing to try to undo. She was engaged to be married. And her mother had passed three months or so right before the wedding. And so she got cold feet and ultimately walked away. Now, here at the Midnight Library, she's like, you know what? Like, everyone says that that was probably one of my biggest, like, mistakes. So let's start there. So she starts there. She picks up a book. She starts reading the first sentence and boom, all of a sudden she's like transformed, teleported into this next reality, picking up right where that person in that reality would have been today. And so for her, it ends up being married to her boyfriend at the time, Dan, and his dream was to live in Ireland and have an, uh, a, a true Irish pub that they lived at the uh, in the top of in their little loft and whatever. And it was quite this like life and dream he had. And poof, in the blink of an eye, she's there. However, once you start living through these lives, you start to pick up on the, oh, well, I don't remember him being a condescending asshole. No, <laughs> I don't remember him being yeah. an alcoholic. Oh, I don't remember him spending all of our money on unnecessary things. And it Mm -hmm. just starts piecing together like, so maybe this isn't the right life for me. Yeah, I will say one of the things that I don't know why I think about this, but I think it's probably because I watched like too many movies about this happening as a kid. But I always wondered, like, what if by accident I just like woke up and I was somebody else and I had to try to pretend to like be that person? Like, prime example, what if for some reason I woke up and I was a musician and I had a concert and I had to know how to play guitar and I've never played guitar in my life. So I think about I think about that a lot. And I don't know why I just do. But when I would read throughout all the scenarios that she goes through and how she really had to figure out, like, one, who am I? Which is Mm -hmm. literally the overarching theme of the whole book. But who am I? In this specific situation, who am I to these people? Because you can tell her past, like in her root life, her relationships are obviously very different than the experiences and different lives that she, you know, she lives. So who am I? Who am I in relation to this person? And how does this version of me act? And seeing... You know, even in the first couple scenarios, her realizing, oh, I have to kind of blend in to like figure out if this is the life for me. And some of them are easier for her than others. And that comes with its own pros and cons. But it's I thought it was really interesting because I've always like thought of like, oh, my God, what what would what would I do if I ever was like thrown into a situation like that? And imagine having to have a partner who you're married to that you weren't married to before. Like you've got to sleep next to that person. You have to be intimate with them. You have to like whatever. Mm -hmm. And you can't. Unfortunately, like, it would be weird if you didn't act appropriately. So, like, she can't be cold, you know? She has to learn to, like, separate her yeah. root life with this new life, which is right. insane. That is wild. so insane. Wild. Because in wild. her root life, like you said, they're divorced. They're, she's quote-unquote moved on. But, you know, and so she's in this now fully married we have a business together we live together we're in a different yeah. country it's a whole new universe and she has to whole just be like mm, okay i'm fine yeah yeah <laughs> what oh i God. do think is really interesting though is which relationships succeed or dwindle throughout her progression of all these lives yeah and so in this life she kind of is on the same is it's a very similar track so while in this life she has her husband dan Her mother and father are still deceased. Her relationship with her brother is still pretty crappy. And her relationship with her best friend also dwindled as well. So in this life, even though she made the massive change, the main change was to be with Dan, Mm -hmm. everybody else kind of stayed the same around her. Whereas we'll see in various lives ahead of her, like her Olympic swimming life, where she pursued her Olympic swimming, all of a sudden her dad was still alive. Yeah. Her brother was in the picture. Her best friend still wasn't. Dan wasn't. She had a whole different scenario of people surrounding her. But mm-hmm. just like it is a weird concept to make you think about, though, that sometimes the littlest things in your life actually do affect the lives of others. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Right. And it is impossible. It's so funny. I just had this conversation with someone today uh, about the concept of balance and how it's 
it's impossible to have perfect balance in every right. aspect of your life, but that's the goal, right? You want to be like a good friend. You want to be a good significant other, a good daughter, you know, sister, whatever. And mm -hmm. you try your best in each of those facets of your life to be good at those things. And it's never in perfect balance. Some days no. I'm a way better uh, friend than I am like a coworker, you know, and those ebb and flow every single day. Absolutely. So I, I think that this is a good testament to that because you can't always have it all. And eventually, I mean, she finds peace as she continues to keep learning about this experience and learning from it. But it, it kind of makes it frustrating when you think about it because she is searching for that perfect life. And right. does that perfect life exist? Absolutely. And uh, it's so interesting to see as these lives go on every little thing that happens to her she in each life she has a moment of realization and it, it and it's ultimately building her to answering her final question of whether she actually wants to be here or whether she doesn't actually want to be here and mrs elm is kind of like her like yoda throughout it yeah. all being like <laughs> yes young grasshopper you have learned wait that was karate kid i'm so sorry <laughs> That's the same thing. Whatever. It's this the mentor. It's the mentor figure. Yeah. It's fine. Yes. Yes. yes the mentor figure. Yes. So <laughs> anywho, I feel like in this life, she kind of learns the partner that she doesn't want. And I think she is pretty comfortable in the choice that now that, okay, maybe Dan wasn't right for me. Like, I'm cool with that now. And it's so interesting because as she lives through these lives, she might revisit that book of regrets. And now all of a sudden that regret of not being with Dan is gone. Yeah. So yeah. she gets to kind of navigate from here and be like, all right, cool. Let's, 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 let's on, on to the next one. And so on to the next one, it, it I'm not going to go in particular order, but no, one of the b biggest ones is the her Olympic swimming one. She used to swim as a kid. And she really was setting records and doing all this stuff, but she felt a lot of pressure from her parents. And ah, she liked music as well, so she tried to do music. And then, ah. so in her root life, it kind of all went to shit. She didn't do the swimming. She didn't do the music. She didn't do anything. She didn't marry Dan. And yeah, she didn't. She didn't right. She didn't do anything. And one of the things that her friend, who was who, who was one of her like music friends and bandmates in her root life, said to her, she's like, honestly, dude, I think you're just afraid of life. Like, I think you're afraid of living it. And she ultimately identifies that 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 was kind of her truth because in her root life, she did nothing. And, like, she uses the word, which stuck with me, hardcore. She uses the word, I feel equidistant. Mm -hmm. I don't feel as if I'm aligned to one part of life or the other. I just feel like I'm in this, like, gross middle land and yeah. feel equidistant. Mm -hmm. And... She is trying to now find in this midnight library a way to go. And it's a lot harder than she thinks. She oh, yeah. goes through quite a few lives, I think. I think she was hoping to be like one or two and out the door. Yeah. <laughs> but here she is like 500 later. <laughs> yeah. Well, she definitely is very resistant too at trying anything in the very beginning because she's so mm -hmm. set on like, look, I now have to look at this giant book of regrets. It's clear to me that I, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life and I don't think anything's going to change the way I feel. Mm -hmm. And as she goes through it, she kind of starts peeling back the layers of like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this. I'm starting to see that my book of regrets is getting a little bit smaller. And this is a little bit later on in the book, but it was a quote that I really, really liked. And it says, you do realize there are infinite possibilities here. I mean, the multiverse isn't just some universes. It's not just a handful of universes. It's not even about a lot of universes. It's not about a million or a billion or a trillion universes. It's about an infinite number of universes with you in them. You could mm. be you in any version of the world. How unlikely that world might be, you are only limited by your imagination. So she starts to realize, oh, if I really want to see and like maximize this experience, I can do anything, things that I thought I would be interested in and never actually pursued. And mm -hmm. I don't know, just like hearing that, it just made me realize how much we limit ourselves to oh, our yeah. own experiences. And mm -hmm. I we have talked about this and we probably will never stop talking about it, but <laughs> it's um, it's 
it's very easy to get stuck in the situation that you're in and to think that that is your only outcome. And one of the biggest things, I mean, I don't know if it's too early to dive into this, but it really made me think like, what is a decision that I could have made differently? And how do I think that it would have impacted the rest of my life? And I I thought about this a lot uh, while reading it, Mm -hmm. after reading it. And obviously there's many. I mean, it could be something as different as like what I had for breakfast today. But I don't know, like prime prime example, which I've talked about like college and stuff. It's obviously how we met. But yeah, funny thing is I was like dead set on going to Emerson College, which is in Boston. Yeah. Emerson College is like you got alumni like Jay Leno, like you've got her. It it's where Will and Grace was filmed. They still have the set there. Like if you're going to Emerson, chances are like you're going to be like extremely successful because they just they just have connections. So I submitted. I worked my ass off. I I wrote like a very personal like short essay, and I got put on the wait list. And I was like, okay, that's fine, whatever. And DeSales was just kind of like on the back burner of like, hey, like, we're here, we can help you with financial aid, we can, you know, whatever. So at that point, I had made the decision that I was going to DeSales. I was like, all right, whatever. I had met, you know, our sweet mate at the time, shout out to Shannon. I met her, we were talking and kind of already started to make friends. And about a month, maybe two months. It was in the spring. About a month or so before I had to move in, I got a call from somebody that was at Emerson. Check and the front door. I didn't know this part. Yeah, they they said they read a the short essay that I wrote, and they had accepted me, but for the spring semester, they couldn't accept me for the fall. They didn't have any room, but they would they would accept me for the spring semester. Dakota and Monkey. yeah, and. I was like, wow, that is great. And they're like, yeah, you have a week to decide. Oh, uh. yeah. And this was before I even actually went to DeSales and like got to experience it. So I had to make a decision on something that I didn't know if I was going to even like or not like. And who's to say I would have been even happier at Emerson. I didn't know anybody there. And to be fair, unfortunately, it did come down to finances. I didn't get a lot of scholarships or financial aid. And it's way farther away than where I was in New York. So obviously, long story short, I went to DeSales and I've met some of the most amazing people in my entire life. I'm going to cry. But like that, that to me was like of in my, at my life so far. I'm 26. That was like such a huge decision mm-hmm. that I had to make. And I, I think about it sometimes too. Like even when I was at school, I thought all the time of like, I really wonder how my life would have been different had I made that choice. Yeah. And... I have to say, I'm very happy with the choice that I made. I wouldn't be sitting here chatting it up with you if I, I hadn't made that choice. But I I don't know if you have an answer, but I, I did want to ask you that. If you felt like there was a choice that you could have made differently and how you think your life would have played out. So I do. I think, okay, so my choice is if I didn't make this one. But I have a weird connection that actually, because I'm a firm believer in a quote-unquote fate and a yeah. quote-unquote everything happens for a reason and sure. so sure like my biggest thing that has changed my life was the military so i was 17 years old <laughs> i was <laughs> i hate myself <laughs> why right. because listen this is i'm gonna tell you the true story so i was 17 years old and I was crushing on this kid who was going in the military. And I am very much so a person who needs uh, validation. I'd always been that way as a kid growing up, whatever. And my friend was like, come to like this like future soldier thing. It's like that prep training that they go to. Okay. He was like, I have to go. Like, if you don't mind, just like come tag with me. Like, whatever. It'll be fun. Because I think that they get like recruitment points or whatever the hell they do. Oh, anyway, I so I tag along. And within two weeks, I was at, I was enlisted in the U.S. Army Reserves. Wow. I went there and something in me just like clicked and I was like, I belong here. Oh, and wow. um, very left wing for everybody who's ever known me in my life. <laughs> but so I have this weird situation where I was like, OK, if I if I didn't make that one choice, 
I would not have a half the life experience I have today. B, have the attitude that I have. C, I wouldn't have gotten the clearances I have to then get me my first job in DC to then get me to where I am right now. Mm -hmm. So I did think about this and I was like, okay, well, what if I didn't make that choice? And I was like, what if I just like didn't go to that future soldier day and I never was like enticed to like go or whatever. Literally within three weeks or um, three months after I enlisted, right before I shipped out to basic training, my parents own their own business and they have an office and they work within like it's like looks like a corporate building that's on the main street of my town three months after i enlist the army reserve office and recruitment center move into the same building right next right the office next to my parents i have chills oh my god and you have no idea how many times I would like walk into the elevator and then be like, oh, hey, sergeant, whatever. And like, because I knew them now in this in this version yeah. of my life. Yeah. But if I didn't know and if I didn't make that choice, I still would have met them. I still would have possibly wow. fallen into this this like groove of life. It just may have been a couple months later. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I agree, though. I I. I'm I'm 50-50. I think sometimes things are coincidences, but in that specific scenario, I mean, how? How? That's insane. That, and then yeah. it, it was so weird because then for the next like six months to a year that I was gone doing like training, it was actually so comforting for my mom to have them right next door because she would be like, hey, Sergeant, like we got a picture of her. Did you get a picture? Like they, they sent us like whatever or like, hey, we got yeah, a letter. Yeah, they could like, like bond over it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was just such a weird feeling because I told my mom, my mom was like, why would you want to do this? It was a very left field thing for me to do. I come from immigrant family. To them, like their kids serving in a military in a new country that they're living in, like is very, you know, not, not the norm. <laughs> the norm. <laughs> right. Uh, so for them, it was very much so like, why would you do this? Like, are you sure you're a woman? They did pull the woman card. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> afterwards, I was like, Mob, don't you see? Like, I probably would have done it anyway. I would have. They would have found me anyway. Yeah. If yeah. I think that this is what I'm supposed to do. And then like after that, my mom was like, you're right. This is what you're supposed to do. Oh, so I love that. I don't know. That's a good answer. Weird little like tidbit of fate, but also if I had made the different decision to say no, I still think I would have gotten there. Yeah, and I this ties into another quote that I, I read and I pulled from Midnight Library is want is an interesting word. It means lack. And the reason oh. I bring the reason I bring that up is because at that point it, it's kind of a reality check for Nora. And yes she's living all these lives and she's kind of having fun. I mean, she even meets other people, which I'll, I want to get into that at some point, but it, it kind of makes her realize that in order to actually choose the life or choose the scenario that she wants to be in, she has to like physically and like wholeheartedly spiritually yes. believe in it. Um, you have to believe in your own reality and not just desire it and not just be like, Oh, I would really like that. And I think that has to kind of connect with the decisions that we make. Sometimes I think mm -hmm. you just, it's an unexplainable feeling you have of like, I need to do this. Or it's not like I want, it's just like, this is what I have to do. And for you pursuing the military, it's something that clearly resonated with you. And when you look at that situation that you just explained, kind of seems like life had a, a hand in being like, well, either way, this is what you're doing because this is what is meant for you. Yeah. And I yeah. guess you could say the same with my scenario. I, it worked out. I mean, I it's funny because it's like with mine, like DeSales was originally my last choice and then ended up being my first. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it worked out. I ended up choosing it anyway over the school that was initially my dream school. So sometimes, oh my God. Like, yeah, I this did. is another point. Holy shit. What? Because if I hadn't gone away to the military, oh my God, I wouldn't have gone to DeSales. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So no matter what, the military still would have found me and I still would have found my way to the sales. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm not okay right now. <laughs> um, but but that's the thing though. I, I think I agree with you when you say that like there's fate or if you believe in a higher power, that there is somebody right. out there who is like kind of helping you through whatever situation you're going through. But mm -hmm. you have to actually believe in those things because right. to be honest, if I really didn't want to go to the sales, 
I would have dropped out. I'm not spending thousands of dollars to go to a school I don't want to go to or to pursue something right. I don't want to do. And I think you feel right. that same way with the military. If you didn't, I mean, also it's the military. If you're not going to like, if you're <laughs> not going to like, yeah, if you're not going to go all in during basic training, then what are you doing? Like, <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> so. Jesus. Yeah. Want well, is an interesting word. It means lack. <sighs> And I have two two quotes from the book that play off of that a little bit. It says, maybe it's not the lack of achievement that we have, but the expectation to achieve in the first place. And then to caveat off of that, it, this, I think Mrs. Elm says, you will never live a life if you're constantly looking for the meaning of life. Oh, so, oh my God. Let's tie it back to what you just said. You just said, you have to wholeheartedly want and believe in what you're doing in this root life right and so we can't sit here and constantly focus on the wants or the lacks we have to take the pressure off of ourselves and finding that that meaning finding that connection and just being and that's something that Nora failed to do in a lot of the lives because she was constantly in the back of her head especially in the one life that was her perfect life it was her dream life she entered yeah. And she just sat there and questioned. She's like, when's it going to end? It's going to end. This isn't right. Something's wrong. She ultimately uh, self-sabotaged by sitting there and putting the pressure on herself to make this the perfect life. She found flaws in this perfect life. Yeah. And that's what we can sit here and do every day in our daily situation if we don't just fucking break that third wall and be like, this is it. This is all I got. Mm-hmm. I've got to love what I got. Yeah, without a doubt. And in that same scenario, I also wanted to point out that she wants so much for this life to work mm-hmm. and everything is perfect. She's got a beautiful child. She's got the dog, the husband. He's, you know, he's a surgeon, I believe. And yep. it's the definition of success. And the quote says, she realized that you could be as honest as possible in life, but people only see the truth if it is close enough to their reality. As Thoreau wrote, it's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. And Ash only saw the Nora he had fallen in love with and married. And so in that way, that was the Nora she was becoming. But that quote reminded me of sometimes, I can't think of a specific example, but I know the feeling of of being in a situation that theoretically should feel right. It should feel like this is what I've been waiting for. This is like the perfect place to be. This is the perfect relationship to be in. And sometimes it's not the perfect or right situation for you. And that is a huge... (laughs) For those of you who are listening, which obviously there's no other way you would be listening. Um, She just raised her hand, so... (laughs) But... I have been personally victimized by (laughs) Regina George. (laughs) But that's what I also took away from her living in that perfect scenario is that theoretically... She should feel like this is what she's been desiring and and wanting more than anything, truly wanting it more than anything. And it's not right for her. And in a way, she even expresses that she feels like she's kind of cheating in a way because she just yep. joined in like halfway through this this version she of Nora's life. She didn't earn this life, right. Yeah, she didn't earn it. And mm-hmm. that's one. That's a huge internal battle to go through but it just it just reminded me of just sometimes when you feel like a situation should be perfect for you it's not and that's yeah. okay because there's a bigger lesson in there that she learns later on i absolutely agree with you and i wrote down that same exact quote because oh twins i know like seriously it's copy paste you're my brain it's fine i wrote it down exactly and one of the things that uh i'm not trying trying to keep talking about the military but one of the things that they would always say to us is perception perception is reality in everything you do in how you carry yourself and how you talk and in life perception is reality if you are perceived that way that is my reality because it's not only what i perceive it's what i'm actually physically seeing and it plays on in in nora's life because nora is living these lives she's choosing to perceive them negatively. It has to do a lot with what was going on in her root life, mental yeah. health wise, because yeah. she went from such a dark place into such an optimistic place. And so obviously she's trying to sit here and rewire how she's thinking about things. And one of her most shifting lives for her mentally was that life where she became the glaciologist. Mm. And <laughs> one night they're just out doing their 
patrol or whatever and they they tasked Nora. They were like, hey, can you be watch? And she was like, be watch for what? It's negative 75 outside. What am I watching? And she's they're like, oh, uh, polar bears. And she's like, are you joking? So they're like, no, no, no. So if, you know, here here you go. Here's a backpack of what you need. Uh, there's some pots and pans. Uh, clank them really loud. And there's a flare in there. You can send the flare off. Uh, and essentially, you could just scare it off using these methods. And she was like, uh, okay. All right. Yeah, whatever. So she, they go on and they do their patrol thing. And Nora's just sitting there in the dark, in the Arctic. Yes. <laughs> uh, and she, what does she encounter? A freaking polar bear. Polar bear. Just like so casually starts walking up her way. And she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is it. Okay. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> uh, she starts banging her pots and pans. She sends off the flare. She's screaming. The bear's just walking towards her. She's like, just yeah, keep, okay, girl. See ya. Keeps on walking. And so she starts doing, she starts walking in a circle like they tell her to. She's, she's doing all the things. And in that moment, she's like, I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. Because... Even though she wanted to die in her root life, she's finally opening up to the possibility that maybe another life is different. Maybe there is something out there for her. Maybe there is some type of meaning that she just maybe hasn't found yet. And so in that moment, it just kind of clicks for her. She's like, okay, I don't know what I want, but I know that I at least want to live. Yes. And so I think that that's the biggest shift for, for Nora and a huge shift for how she starts choosing lives and and she starts getting wild with it because Mm -hmm. now she's finally taking into account that it doesn't matter what you perceive it's what you see and so now she's she's finally from here on forth applying all of this stuff and she's like you know what i'm gonna be a fucking rock star i'm gonna be a winemaker in napa valley i'm gonna be she starts she starts finally going for it and really diving in and experiencing it and it's also because during this life of her studying glaciers she meets another person who is going through the same thing as her who's who's shifting through lives and he calls themselves uh sliders because they slide through different timelines and different lives um, and he teaches her a lot about where to go next and to really start, you know, diving in. He's like, listen, girl, there's no limitation. And so it, it really was this life that was like her turning point for her, her mentally, for her uh, spiritually, for, for so many things. Like she finally starts being like, all right, we're going to do this. Yeah. And I really loved that part. And I wrote it down because I think in Matt Haig's writing, like to me, when she met that guy who also was like, hey, I'm noticing that you're supposed to be an expert in your field. You're supposed to know everything about glaciers. You've you've studied your entire life and existence to be where you are today. And mm-hmm. people are asking you basic questions and you can't answer them. Something's up. So he immediately recognizes that in her and questions it. And at first she's like, obviously protective because why would you even think that anybody else would be having this kind of experience? Because you would right. think it's in my brain. I'm in like a coma or something. But, you know, she meets this guy and he says, no, like I've lived so many lives. This one I've been in for like five days or whatever. And he's like, I don't know if I'll be here tomorrow, but like, I'm going to keep living it. And they share this, this moment together of just being like, I see you, you see me. Mm-hmm. We're just figuring it out together. And I think it was a very delicate way, at least to me, the way I took it was Matt Haig, the writer, just kind of being like, this is what a soulmate is. Somebody who just sees you, they know who you are, and obviously they share like an intimate moment. But aside from that, to me, I just felt like, wow, that was her soulmate. And in that life, they got to meet each other. And that was really cool. And it made me think of, I wonder if any of the other lives, which they don't detail it, but, you know, it's fun to think about in the other lives if they would have still had met each other. And so, I don't know. It's not like a question, but I didn't know if you believe that that you've lived other lives, that maybe you're meant to meet people and in some Mm. lives you cross and you don't cross. Yes. I ultimately believe that I'm meant to meet people in my life and that I have encountered people that I'm definitely meant to meet because like, you know, when you meet a friend and it's just like, I've known you for generations. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's just like no concept of space or time because it's just like, how do you know me? Like the way you know me so fast. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I do also think that this specific moment is also Matt Haig's way of sprinkling in the idea that no matter how, grandiose you might think your experiences 
and what you're going through is so profoundly unique, somebody else is going through it too and you're still not alone. Yeah, I didn't think about that that way, but yeah. Yeah, in this whole concept of time, Nora ultimately felt so alone because she's like, well, she has Mrs. Elm in the library, but she's navigating through these massive different life changes and, and spiritual development alone. And so to meet somebody that was, A, experiencing what she's experienced and going through it simultaneously, for her, that's why it felt like, click, you're my soulmate. Yeah. It felt like, oh my God, you you know me. You know this life, this experience, this reality that we're living through right now. Like It's much more, I think, to unpack than just like a casual meeting of two sliders oh, yeah. experiencing life. Way more than You that. know? Yeah, you just, for sure. Yeah. So... Yeah, I thought that I, was really cool. I agree. I do. I also thought that th- there was another quote and it said, like, you could eat in the finest restaurants. You can partake in every sensual pleasure. You can sing on stage at Sao Paulo to 20,000 people. You could soak up whole thunderstorms of applause. You could travel to the ends of the earth. You could be followed by millions on the Internet. You could win Olympic medals. But this is all meaningless without love. And when oh. she thought of her root life, the fundamental problem with it the thing that had left her vulnerable really was the absence of love. Right. And in this specific situation, we're talking with the, you know, when she studies glaciers and she meets this soulmate. I don't know if that's necessarily love. I mean, they share like an intimate moment. Right. But right. it's amazing when I was reading that, the the power that love holds on us and the desire to be loved oh. and to be seen and because when you think about that i mean that was like a turning point for her because she didn't feel i mean it was the whole reason that kicked off her going to the midnight library anyways because in every single facet of her life she felt like she wasn't loved i mean she couldn't even be loved by her cat because her cat passed away (laughs) right she really felt like she wasn't worthy of being loved in any aspect of her life and so when she meets this guy when she studies glaciers it she's finally seen and she's finally accepted and she kind of experiences that moment of of love and appreciation and validation mm-hmm. that I think she's constantly been searching for. And I do think that later on, like she realizes, and as we get towards the end, she realizes she wanna also has to love herself, but love the life that she's in. Right. And that plays into the decision that she makes at the end. Two big things off of that is that I could not agree more with what you just said, that love and validation and all these things are so central to Nora and her life and to honestly a lot of people. One of the things that Mrs. Elm finally says to her, you might need to stop worrying about others' approval, Nora. For added power and intimacy, you don't need a permission slip to be yourself. It wasn't until then that Nora was like, I get it. Like she literally in the book, it it cuts off her saying yourself and, and it's Nora responding, yes, I get it. Because even though, yeah, she gets the idea, she still hasn't applied it yet. Also... I don't think Nora really knows who she is at that point. And that's why right. she keeps trying on all these different lives because she's trying to play into this role of, of who she thinks she's supposed to be and right. hoping that by just trying on almost like jackets, like by trying on one of these lives that it's just going to like hit for her and be like, oh, this was the person, this is the right answer. This is the mm-hmm. one that I was supposed to choose all along and now I understand and okay, everything's hunky-dory. And that's not the case at all. Right. I mean, as you mentioned, like there's good and bad things with and every single choice she makes. I think it it took her trying all of these lives to understand the value of her life because Mrs. Elm and her constantly would go back to the midnight library and play chess. That was kind of like their their like passage of time. They would communicate and be like, okay, well maybe like this one, I've learned this so far, blah, blah. And she comes back from this one life and it's just like, Mrs. Elm, I don't know what to do. I'm at a loss here. I don't want to try another life. I'm over it. And Mrs. Elm literally says, the game is never over until it's over. It isn't over if there's a single pawn on the board. If one side is down to a pawn and a king and the other side has every player, there's still a game. And even if you were a pawn, Maybe we all are. And then you should remember that a pawn is the most magical piece of all. It might look small and ordinary, but it isn't. Because a pawn is never just a pawn. A pawn is a queen in waiting. All you need to do is find a way to keep moving it forward. And Nora's like, well, damn it. (laughs) 
Also, how is Matt Haig just dropping these bombs? Like, I'm straight up, honestly. Wants to live your life by. It's insane. It's insane. Literally. Hence why literally. we've already done two of our first three episodes on books by him. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously. Um, this should just be the Matt Haig review podcast. I was podcast. just saying, this is the Matt Haig fan club podcast. <laughs> yeah, literally. But yeah, I think in that moment, she, she kind of says to her, listen, you know, nothing's over till it's over. Your root life ain't over until you say it's over. True. Even you being here isn't over until you internally decide, I'm done. Or you find a life that you resonate with so heavily. And so Nora kind of finally realizes, like, oh, my life wasn't the bad life. My life was the blank slate. My life was the opportunity life to do whatever I wanted. And so finally the shift occurs. She's like okay, I think I want to live. And then all of a sudden, the library starts to fucking engulf in flames. And bookshelves are going on fire. And everything's crumbling. And Mrs. Elm's like, uh-oh, look at your watch. And all of a sudden, she looks down and she sees it's 12 midnight and one second. So time is finally moving. And she's like, oh my God, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? Okay. Uh, Mrs. Elm's like, girl, you got 60 seconds to get out of here. This is your only way out. You have to find the one book that isn't written yet. And she's like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? She's like, it's your life. You can write it. Mm. Find the book on the shelf. Go write your story. And so Nora's like running around the library. She's got like a minute to find this one book. She's jumping over flames and she finally sees one random book on the shelf that's completely engulfed in flames. One book not burning. She grabs the book. She's running out. Boulders are collapsing on her. And she's, that's it. She got she got hit by a boulder. She's suffering under a rock. And she's sitting there thinking to herself, dang it. I finally found the will to live. And I'm sitting in the midnight library getting squished under a boulder. And this is how I go. And Mrs. Elm in the background is like, girl, you better get up. <laughs> if you do not get up right now, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Elm literally drives it home and is like, you have to want it enough. And so, of course, Nora has this, like, Hulk moment. She pushes the rock. She opens the Hulk. book. And she's like, okay, what do I do? The book's open. Like, the pages are blank. And Mrs. Elm just goes, you got to write the story. And, and Nora's like, uh, uh, okay. And so she starts writing, like, random things. Like, Nora woke up in her bed. Nothing happened. Yeah. Okay. Nora writes, Nora wanted to wake up in her home. Nothing happens. And so she's panicking. Now she's just writing anything. She's like, Nora does this. Nora does that. Uh, I do this. I do that. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And she just sits down and she's like, okay, what, what, what am I? What am I right now in this moment? And she writes, I am alive. And boom. Yeah. She wakes up puking her brains out of, you know, overdosing potentially. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And she stumbles to her neighbor's house and she's like, call 911. And boom, just like that, she collapses on the floor. But she's alive. I am alive. When I read that phrase entirely, I got a little emotional. Because in my opinion, I operate every single day never noticing that I am alive. And that, whew, I'm not trying to get emotional. But that every day is literally an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to cry. Why am I crying? <laughs> it's okay. And that even though Nora woke up the day previous, not wanting to be there, the very next day, she was most excited about being the exact opposite, which was alive. Yeah. Whew. So, yeah, I just, it's really important to, th- this phrase alone just drove drove it home for me that literally every single day, is a new page in whatever book we're trying to write for ourselves, even though we don't see it that way. I definitely struggle to see it that way. But no matter what happened the day previous, you know, we go to bed at night, we shut our brains off. Tomorrow's a new day. You might still have to face certain struggles every uh, every day, like work-life balance and whatever it might be. But no matter what, there is an opportunity to make one choice different. Yeah. And I think that Nora never realized that until these final moments of my life wasn't bad. I just didn't 
choose to make it good. It, I didn't choose to make it what I wanted. Yeah. And so even though she didn't end up being a rock star, an Olympic champion, a wife to a bar owner, she woke up that next day and had the opportunity to choose one of those in this root life. And that was the life that she knew best. You know, that was the life that she could live and 100% say, I know how to be this Nora. I don't have to pretend like I know what's going on. I don't have to act a certain way based on how I think I should act around these people. And so I, yeah. what other life would be best for her to live then? Out of all those possibilities, it had to totally. be this one. There was no other option, really, of course. But I think she still had to go through all those other lives to to come to that conclusion and to realize right. that. That was the right option all along. She just right. needed a little guidance and a little bit of a, you know, hey, why don't you try this out and see how that played out to really realize that she could choose at any choice every single day in the life that she was living. Right. She just needed right. to be told that. And I think right. it, I think it's hard. I think it's hard sometimes when, you know, especially in like Nora's situation, she had a terrible day. And, and not just terrible, like literally everything that happened was awful bad it was awful and i think we all have days like that i think we have days where it just seems like one thing after the other it's never ending and you're like oh my god like Mm -hmm. this is a horrible day this is a bad day and it's it's i think sadness is an emotion that is very easy to get engrossed in and get caught up in and it really makes you feel powerless like you can't do anything and knowing that you do have the choice to do something, it's not going to be a choice that will solve your problems. It's not going to be a choice that's going to all of a sudden things are going to be happy-go-lucky and everything's fine. But you have a choice to call a friend. You have a choice to go for a walk. And if you're not happy with the way something came out, you have a choice to try to make it different. And there's power in that. And even though you might not feel like doing it, because I certainly don't some days if I have bad days, I don't feel like doing anything. I just want to lay in bed and not move or talk to anybody. But knowing that you do have the choice to change that, even in a small way, and that can be the next page of your story. We, every single day, wake up and we put on tunnel vision, but in the incorrect ways sometimes, in terms of it being like, would have could have should have done this what it could have should have done that well what if i did this like we let we allow ourselves to question what we have right in front of us instead of just accepting not needing the permission or validation and moving forward and so if we could just wake up tomorrow and never have a moment of this well what if i did that well if i just made that decision well if you know if i did better in, in grad school then maybe my job would have hired me with a bigger bump you know what i mean it If we just woke up tomorrow and removed all of that anxiety, all of that stress and fear and doubt and, you know, putting ourselves down, there's just infinite possibility on the opposite end. Life is full of infinite possibilities. It really is. And I think there's a difference between recognizing that because there is something like false positivity where people are just like, life is great. What are you talking about? No, life is hard. Life is really, really hard, especially now. We got some crazy shit going on in our world oh, right God. now. Oh, God, yeah. And it's, I'll be, I'll be honest, it's hard sometimes getting out of bed in the morning, looking at what's going on and seeing what people are going through. It's really, really difficult sometimes. But knowing, well, one, for starters, being very grateful for the situation that I'm in, that I'm not one of those people going through that, being grateful for who I have in my life, and knowing that my life in spite of all of those things, I still have every single possibility to make the most of it and to change it. And absolutely, I still believe in, in some circumstances, like we were talking about, that sometimes life has a way of being like, well, this is what's going to happen. And this is going to be an opportunity for you. And it, even if that's like the one thing that is like meant to be and has to happen in this like world of fate that we're talking about, you still have the opportunity to try to be a better person, to try to make the most of a situation, whether it's good or bad. I think that in our ever-growing society and life and technology and things like that, we are sometimes kind of taught to not always see the possibilities. We are a lot of times put into 
boxes, corporate America, starting a life and family by a certain age, just things like that. Instead yeah. of just saying like, hey, what's my possibility today? And literally sitting down and thinking about all the things that you can change a day from now, a year from now, five years from now, instead of just sometimes getting lost in the rat race that we sometimes put ourselves in. And yeah. it's be, it is that way because as a society, this kind of ties into book number one, we're constantly craving, we're constantly wanting to change and do different things and da-da-da, and so nothing's ever good enough. Yeah. And until we finally come to the moment where we're like, oh, my God, what we've got is awesome. Yeah. The time we have is running short. We just have to see the opportunities in front of us and get after them and write that next page of the book or start a whole new freaking book because we can, because we literally can. Yeah, and if, let's say, this parallel universe exists, let's say, and if there's somebody who is, like, potentially wondering what it would have been like, like, imagine the concept of somebody looking at your life, the current life you're living right now, and being like, yeah, that's my life. That's my perfect life. I want to live that one. And just that thought alone, it's like, maybe there, I mean, in general, there could be other people who look at your life and think that anyway, but it's, it's comforting to know and to think and play with the idea that there is a version of yourself that is looking at the life that you're living now and is thinking that that's the life that they want to live the most. And to me, I think that was the whole overarching theme of the entire book was that you can constantly keep wondering about what life is, is the life that you're supposed to live and which one's the right path and which decisions you could have made differently. But the perfect life that you're living is the one that you're living now. And that's the one that you get to rewrite and continuously change and grow in. So you just dropped such a mental bomb on me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I thought your video froze for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was just my mouth being frozen open. I have never thought of it like that. Genuinely, I've never sat here and been like, my life could be the life that somebody wants. Because at the end of the day, like, I know my life's not perfect, but... No, nobody's is. Nobody's is. Yeah, but we're very blessed. And I feel like me 10 years ago would have wanted this life of me now because I built it on my own. I am independent woman. Like, I have pets you know, like there's just so many things that I didn't, I, I, that just all flooded in as you said that. And I just overcome by nausea, not gonna lie. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, like, huh? like I, oh God. <laughs> regardless of whatever you believe, just toying with that idea alone. Maybe in some weird universe, there is somebody kind of looking at your life and being like, wow, I really wish I was living that. So that's kind of like the piece that I made with this book. I think it was absolutely phenomenal. And I am so glad that you got to read it and feel the same way that I do about it. Like I said, I don't know. I mean, I know some things that happened to Matt Haig, but I don't know what happened to Matt Haig to make him write such novelist right. ideas that just like, completely rock my world. But, you know, yeah. glad he did. I'm glad he did. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. And read the book. Read the book. If you could do anything, please just read this book. You will not regret it in the slightest. Um, Reading this book will not be in your book of regrets. When you go to the Midnight Library. Oh, ew, I got chills as you said that. Stop it. It's like I'm a writer <sighs> or something. <laughs> it's like you're a writer. Oh, I know what my <laughs> Midnight Library might be. <gasps> okay. Because I'm a dork who works with computers and phones and computer images, I feel like mine would be like you walk into the evidence room and every it's like a different case file. That is so cool. Yeah. I love I that. I know, that just hit me. That just hit me, like, for a minute there. What a good way to wrap everything up. Yeah. I love that. Me too. Okay, oh, that's super like cool. That Little Law and Order <laughs> SVU action. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> that's how I enter each life. Dun, dun. Open the page. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm sorry. That is okay. awesome. All right. I think it's obvious. What are we rating this? Okay. 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 You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hate me, and I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'm going to go for... Point. You and these points. I know. I hate myself. Four point. Honestly, nah. I'm a five out of five. I'm no, five no. Go five. ahead. Don't let me sway you. What were you gonna say? Four. Uh, like honestly, like four point eight or four point nine. Only reason why is because I felt like he did it again. He fucking excuse my language. He did the same thing he did 
in the humans. He left us like her perfect life was such a goddamn tease to me because I was like, this is it. She's ending. It's happy. It's all, oh, boom. And then all of a sudden it all came crashing down. I'm just the perfectionist in me wanted to see her perfectness finally play out. I want to read a Matthew Haig book where that perfect ending is fucking written and it's not there for me to imagine in my brain, but it's fine. I'm well, fine. I will say the reason I give this five out of five and the humans four something, whatever out of five was because I felt like Nora in the Mennonite library had finally come to terms and accepted that this was the life that she was meant to live. And the yes. humans, I kind of felt he was finding his life, but not really. And then he finally got reconnected with his son and kind of wife. And they were like, why don't you come home? It didn't feel like complete to me. It just yeah. felt like I should know a little bit more after and I didn't, which granted, yeah. I don't really need to know. But I, I will, in my opinion, I felt like this was a five out of five because I felt like Nora came to the point where she was like, my life isn't perfect, but this is the perfect life for me. Yeah. Yes, yes. No, I agree with you. I, I agree. I just, I feel like in my heart and soul, I wanted, like, to see, like, a coffee date with, you oh, know. Yeah, I forgot about that. <sighs> That's all. That's all. If, if it could have been, like, the most perfect ending, it would have ended how it ended. And then, like, she's, like, walking into the coffee shop and then, like, he walks in, too. That way, yeah. like, you know, just for my satisfaction. But otherwise, it was effing perfect. Please read it. Like, legit. It, w- it was the most spectacular book I think I've read in a hot minute. In a hot, hot minute. So, Like I said, the concept alone was something that as soon as I read it, I was like, I need to read this book. This is something I think about all the time. Not in a regretful way, but I just think it's a very, very interesting idea. And, yeah, if, if you're interested in, in diving into other aspects of your life and seeing what it would be like, definitely check out The Midnight Library by Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you or a friend or anybody you know is going through a hard moment in life where they might be Nora Seed right now. They might be, you know, struggling with thoughts of depression or suicide or feeling alone. Um, Just know that you're not alone because we're all connected in some way. And everybody who is in their root life right now is meant to live it and is worth living it. However, if you do need to speak to somebody, the national... Suicide Prevention Hotline uh, phone number is 1-800-273-8255. You are loved and you are needed here. And you are meant to listen to this podcast. (laughs) True. Thank you for listening. And I I hope whoever's listening to this takes it and and reflects. I think we live in such a fast-paced society. We don't take time to really think and reflect a lot. And if that's what this was for you, then I really hope that you decide to pick up that book and maybe think about the glorious life that you're living and know that you're meant to be here and it's all going to work out. So we are alive and every day is a gift and every day is a new page. Always Mm -hmm. remember it's a new page. Absolutely. So what are we writing next, Dakota? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) We got to brainstorm a couple ideas. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. I I, I think we'll come up with some good stuff. But if you have suggestions, you can DM us on Instagram at the dot dna dot podcast and if you want to send us an idea via email you can email us at the dot dna dot podcast 22 at gmail.com yeah please reach out send us questions suggestions anything be like and if you've read a book that you absolutely resonated with it doesn't even have to be a book it could be poetry it could be a tv show it could be a movie it could be whatever type of media or entertainment throw it our way we'll Mm. review it absolutely all right. Well, as always, Anna, it was a great pleasure talking to you and getting emotional. Sorry. Yeah, I got a little life. emotional. Sorry, guys. Sorry. It's okay. But yeah, the best of us. Thanks for tuning in. We hope today's episode makes you feel a little bit more connected to your true self. Don't forget to follow the DNA podcast on Instagram so you never miss another episode. Until next time. 